Welcome to an audio newspaper full of very unserious, partially real stories that the world needs to hear. More listening and less reading than a newspaper, but equally as sexy. This is Paper News Out Loud. Hello and good evening. I'm your host, Diane Weathersby. Hello and good morning. I'm your co-host, Florence Strumsby. Thank you for listening to Paper News Out Loud. Florence, Florence, Florence. Great news. Our podcast achieved exactly what we set out to achieve. Our Wisconsin weather has been precarious lately, but not even as bad as the rest of the U.S. And a fan, a friend, and a family member that shall be referred to as Diane's Cousin 7 sent a message to I, Diane, that reads, I just want you to know that Paper News Out Loud got me through a hazardous driving situation with calmful relaxation. I'd say that's some great feedback, and I think that's a wrap on the show as a whole. (laughs) Or our new marketing campaign. Listen to Paper News Out Loud. It may just save your life. I think this is also an important time. Um, Thanks, Diane's cousin number seven, for bringing up this, you know, topic to talk about the importance of podcasts in day-to-day lives. Really, podcasts are like friends that you can take with you and listen to at the gym and while you're cooking. You can't listen to your friends while you're at the gym or while you're cooking. That would be weird. And irritating. They don't fit in your pocket. Everyone should have a podcast that they can turn to on the darkest times, just like Diane's cousin number seven did. Find a podcast, save yourself from a scary, mildly uncomfortable, or lonely situation. Find a podcast at your local podcast shelter. Then you can proudly say that you rescued a podcast from a bad home and brought it into yours. Just seven cents a day will save a podcast from a bad home and a terrible situation. You're in the arms of the angels on that note. Okay, so let's dive right into the headline. They light our birthday cakes and our lives, but when did candles first come on the illumination scene? Unsurprisingly, there's a lot of speculation about the exact start of candles, um, specifically wicked candles. That's like, they've got the wick, you light the wick on fire. Um, but here is what we do know. Egyptians started using wicked candles in around um, 3000 BCE, before the Common Era. Um, They soaked the core of reeds in melted animal fat and used those to light their way, probably through pyramids. Interesting. Most likely through pyramids. Probably Indiana Jones used these at some point in time. Um, But prior to the Egyptians, the Romans were out there living it up um, and using candles. They dipped rolled papyrus repeatedly in melted um, tallow or animal fat or beeswax. That's what tallow is? Yes. (laughs) I didn't know that. I've played The Witcher and I was using tallow. I had no idea. No, yeah, it's animal fat. Is it in Skyrim too? Tallow? I don't know. Do you get it as like a thing from killing something? I don't know. I, I, don't da- know I know it's definitely in The mm-hmm. Witcher. I don't know why yeah. I didn't connect those things. I just never decided to look it up. <laughs> just kind of winging it. It could be any, you know, ingredient. Yeah. I don't do a lot of alchemy. <laughs> um, the, over in China, they were using rolled paper, at, or rolled rice paper for the wick, you know, just again repeatedly dipping it. Um, and the wax was made out of a mixture of um, indigenous insects of that area and seeds. Gross. In Japan around the same time, um, wax was being extracted from tree nuts, and that was the basis of their candles. And in India, which is where I want to be having, you know, my candle, my, you know, relaxing candle sessions where all the candles are lit, um, you know, 3000 BC, but they boiled the fruit of the cinnamon tree 
And then they used that, that, like, extracted waxes that they could use for their candle. I think out of all these methods, that one would smell the best because burning insects doesn't sound like it would smell that good. I agree. It's going to be awful. Like when you suck up those ladybugs in the vacuum and their bodies start to burn on the inside of your vacuum and it smells really bad. It's not a pleasant scent. Um, Yeah, I don't really know what a cinnamon tree is, but I imagine that it's fruit and any um, byproduct of it would probably smell pretty Mm cinnamony. I looked it up and I guess you get cinnamon from the inner bark. Why? Yeah, I don't know if, I guess I didn't look too deeply into it. But I think maybe the cinnamon sticks are like the bark rolled up. That would be like amazing. If they dry there and rolls up, I'm very yeah. interested in this. I think okay. we'll have to do a feature article on cinnamon say, trees. Future episode, I am seeing coming up. <sighs> but you know, that's in the past. The Middle Ages were a time of candle development. Can you find cinnamon candles now? You would think so. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Probably not made out of the wax of cinnamon tree fruit. It'd probably yeah. be just scented. Yeah. But it'd probably smell really good. Anyway, Florence, I want to hear about the Middle Ages. Okay, so animal fat was the key ingredient like it was for many other things during the Middle Ages. Um, but when burned, it was a little stinky hmm. and produced a very smoky flame. So not ideal in houses or, you know, for doing anything because you would breathe, be breathing in smoke. Which sinks, which... Because that's, like, where you would want to use a candle. Yeah, in your home. Probably not outside. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe outside for some things, but, like... Like rituals. (laughs) Otherwise, you'd have to go to bed when the sun went down. Exactly. Sometimes the sun goes down at 5 o'clock. It's not a very productive day. You don't have a lot of time. But then, fortunately, boom, trade happened and introduced Europeans to beeswax, which did not produce smoke and smelled a lot better not like burning animal fat so everyone was a winner except for the poor people because beeswax was pricey so it was primarily used during church ceremonies and in the homes of the wealthy typical (laughs) um right around this time though candle making became a guild craft so kind of like smithing or necromancy and these candle all very similar things yes They're pretty much in the same realm. Do you think candle making revolutionized smithing and necromancy? I think both of them. It probably played a, played a key role into the development of their greatest works of literature. I, I think they all influence each other. It's the circle of love. Anyway. Too much singing, I think, so far in this episode. It's too, too many times. Poor band. Okay. Um... So the candle experts were called Chandlers, um, which leads me to believe that Chandler from Friends was an expert in candle making, but we'll be talking about my um, Friends theories in a later episode. I did see that you wrote Chandlers uh, down, and I definitely thought it was a typo, and it was supposed <gasps> to be like Candlers, nope, so I'm Chandlers. glad I didn't change it. <laughs> that would have been confusing for all of us. <laughs> um, so these Chandlers went out into um, the homes of their customers. <laughs> And they collected leftover kitchen fat, so like after they prepared meat or something like that, and then they made candle out of them for their customers. What an interesting time. Like, can you imagine doing something like that now? There, there's someone's specific job. I mean, I guess you have like sanitation workers that, yeah. you know, um, get the garbage and stuff in mm-hmm. your recycling. 
But, like, every time you make bacon, you would save the extra bacon grease, and then someone would come into your home and then take that bacon grease somewhere and make, and a, make candle a candle out of it. it. That's so cool. What a time to be alive. The Middle oh. Ages, everyone. The Black Plague and <laughs> candle making. One could argue the best time to be alive, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay, up next, um, colonial times in the United States. So, in colonial United States, it was the ladies who were dominating the candle scene, um, they were the first ones to really start the craft over in the United States. Um, they boiled bayberries, which are a greenish berry that grows on a bush, to extract the wax. It smelled delicious and did not produce smoke, but the work of actually extracting the wax was long and painful, so the popularity of um, getting wax in this fashion greatly diminished. Did the article say anything about Native Americans, if they did candle making at no, all? that was not included in the article. Hmm. Because well, that'd be interesting to mm-hmm. see, too. Like, see like what, what they, they did. did. Yeah. Thanks for nothing, candles.org. <laughs> you missed the mark by just a little bit. <laughs> and that takes us into the 19th century. <laughs> so, um, it's the 1800s, and things in the candle-making world are getting wild. French chemist Mike Mich- Michel-Eugène Chevreul. Nope. Discovered Sounds good to me. A French chemist discovered um, how to extract. How do you think? This is really tough. Steric. 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 We're going to say steric. Steric acid from animal fats. So he then used the removed steric acid to create stearin wax candles, mm. which were sturdier and not smoky and didn't smell like burning flesh. This is actually really interesting history because, like, we're going from 3000 BCE all the way, like, through the 19th century, and that's when they figure out how to make, like, non-smoky candles. Right. Wow. Then, not shortly after that, um, in 1834, Joseph Morgan, a name that I can say, invented a machine that allowed for continuous candle um, production making it affordable for a wider range of people to get candles into their home. So literally, like you were saying, candles have been around since early, early times, and it took until 1834 for just the common people to be able to afford non-smoky, non-stinky candles. That just makes me wonder. I mean, like, there were oil lamps and stuff too, right? Yeah, that's true, yeah. This article did not touch on oil lamps. That makes sense since it's from (laughs) candles.org. But, like, I wonder what life was like without the candles. What did they... They had to just use, like, animal fat candles. Like, yeah. the, um... The non... Swelpy all the time. Yeah. So they Crazy. probably had, like, mad smoke stains in their house. Like, there's no way they got their security deposit back after they moved out of there. Wow. Let's fast forward a couple decades. Um, It's the late 1850s and paraffin wax steps on the scene. It's extracted from petroleum. It's like a byproduct of petroleum and then refined. So it's cheaper and easier to produce. I didn't realize that. No, me either. That it's from petroleum. (laughs) You learn something new every day. It's from petroleum and it's terrible. Like everything. But that's okay. Paraffin wax isn't the best wax. Oh my gosh. Paraffin wax isn't the best wax. But um, before we get into the modern era of candle making, what's this? It's 1879 and the light bulb has just been invented. Bad news for all you Chandlers out there. Candle making and the need for candles began to decline. Hmm. So that brings us to the 20th century. I know what you're thinking. Wow. (laughs) We've just been all over the place. What a ride. 
So despite the can um, the light bulbs, candle popularity remained relatively steady until the 1980s. People like their aesthetic. Yeah, that's exactly it. So interesting candles as decorative items and gifts bumped up during the 1980s. And this started the production of different kinds of candles. So just like different scents, different shapes, you know, in different containers, what have you. And people were like making more money and had yeah. more leisure time so they could afford to spend money on... You know, candles. frivolous candles to make things smell good. Yeah, because it definitely wasn't being used for lighting anymore. Um, so in the 1990s, another surge of candle popularity just kind of happened as a new type of wax was <gasps> developed. That's within, almost within our lifetime. Right. Say hello to soybean wax. which Hi, soybean ob- wax. <laughs> which is extracted from soybeans. Um, it burns slower and therefore lasts longer than it, than paraffin wax. It was That was even mentioned specifically in the article that paraffin wax really has a short burn time. It just doesn't mm-hmm. last very long. And the soybean um, wax candles were not smoky. It sounds like they're probably more sustainable, too. Probably, because beans. And soy is used for a lot of stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Right candles today so i don't want to use an anecdote to describe something but candles are literally the best thing in the entire damn world and i love them you know when you go to tj maxx and you spend 20 to 25 minutes just standing in front of the candle display and smelling all of them i can only assume that everyone around me feels the same way so needless to say candles are very popular today (laughs) i also like candles so that's 100 percent of the people that make this podcast that like candles And I think that's a good sampling of the entire population. I agree. (laughs) So, Diane, I made a quiz to see if you love candles. I know you just said you love candles, but we're doing it anyway. I need to scientifically prove it, though. I'm up for this challenge. This is foolproof, but it's very important that you answer answer truthfully. Is that why you have me hooked up to lie detector tests? Exactly why. (laughs) I Um, didn't realize they were so invasive. (laughs) Okay, one. Do you like happiness? Yes. Perfect. Two, do you like when your house smells like rotten fruit or, and bad eggs? Not usually, no. Perfect. The lie detector test confirmed that sometimes Diane does like it when her house smells like rotten fruit and bad eggs. It's pleasing to my worms. <laughs> Are you a human being? That's confidential. Okay. <laughs> For the sake of this quiz, we will say yes. <laughs> Looks like you answered all the questions correctly and scored 100% on my quiz. Looks like the candle legacy will live on into a new generation. One thing millennials aren't ruining. (laughs) Shockingly. (laughs) All right. Hello and welcome to our first installment of Community Art. Our first submission comes from a dear friend and a former lover who was only ever a friend. Mickey, not the mouse. She created some neat graphics for us that we will describe to you in vivid detail now. And then we'll post the graphics on the website so that you can view them with your physical eyes and not just your mind's eye. The camera pans onto an image that is blurry at first but becomes clear within moments. You realize that a void in your heart has been filled. There is red, there is black, there is white. Those colors form images that shape into a mouth that appears to be speaking or getting ready to eat spaghetti. The letters form into words that form into a newspaper. Some words seem familiar, and that is because they are. The familiar words form the sentences from the description of episode one. We now understand dinosaur anger. The second image opens as a white-gloved hand quickly pulls a silk handkerchief off of it, revealing the image below. Fun fact about megafauna, Diane. 
is in this piece of art. In the background, we see the image of our country's capital, which is resting in front of an orange-soaked sunset sky. In front of it, a mammoth, its huge trunk furled, furled toward the capital in either a greeting or an act of aggression. Honestly, these vocal descriptions just don't do these pieces of art justice. I would recommend heading over to the Paper News Out Love blog and looking at them with your eyeballs or elbows or butts. <laughs> butts. <laughs> Shout out to Mickey for her graphic design work. Thank Woo-hoo. you, Mickey. Mickey. <laughs> Woohoo. All right, so in the spirit of mid-January, I would like to tell you a tale that was told to me by an urban witch who grew various magical plants on her rooftop. It is not a happy story, nor is it a sad story. It's not even really that scary. It's called, This Could Happen to You on a Tuesday. Hold on to your spines, folks. This is going to get bumpy. It was dark and quiet, and you were walking home from a nearby bar because you were responsible and didn't want to drive your car after you had been drinking, which is what all humans should do. All of your friends got a taxi because they live on the other side of town, so you decided to make the short trek alone. You listened to your breathing, slightly ragged in the cold air, and the smart smack of your boots against the sidewalk. You watch as the lights in the upcoming building wink out. It's almost midnight. Suddenly, an owl swoops down from the sky. In your drunken stupor, your first thought is not to protect your eyes, but instead you think, I'm too old for Hogwarts. You watch as the owl lands at your feet. You wait patiently for it to do something, which would be unreasonable in a different situation, but the tequila has you expecting things of the owl. It stares up at you with its beady and intelligent eyes. The owl gently sets down a small scroll just in front of your left shoe. Hogwarts? You think again as you fumble to pick up the small scroll while wearing your mittens. As you struggle, you feel the owl's judgmental eyes pick you over until finally you manage to get your thumbs under the parchment. Excitement in your childlike soul building. It's blank. Why would the owl deliver a blank scroll? Are you hallucinating? You didn't think you drank that much. The owl hoots at you in exasperation. You didn't realize owls could be exasperated, and you pause to reflect on what else you don't know about owls and animal feelings in general. It hoots again, and you turn the scroll over. There's an address that you don't recognize exactly, but you know it must be close. Could this be an invitation to an epic quest, or is some creepy dude really getting creative with how they kidnap people? Either way, you decide to check it out. With the owl perched on your shoulder, because that's the only way to start out a quest, you trek down the block, passing a few other stragglers who stumble out of the bars. The owl attracts a few strange looks, but no one attacks you to steal your newfound lack of information. You only hear your breathing, the soft rustle of the owl's feathers in the cool night air as you step in front of a scuffed wooden door. Using your mittened hands, you turn the knob and push your way inside the building. Instantly blinded by a flood of sterile white light, you feel the owl push off your shoulder and fly off into the night, leaving you alone in the doorway, your mittened hands pressed to your eyes. Wait a minute. You realize the hands on your face aren't yours at all. Yours are still hanging limply by your sides. Your reaction slowed down by the fourth beer you drank. The mittened hands on your face almost feel loving, but emotionally distant. And then you hear a voice in your ear. You realize you are moving forward, but not walking. Yes, you are gliding. You can't seem to figure out what is happening, 
but the voice on your right is keeping you calm and the hands are firmly blocking your vision. Dad? You manage out a whisper despite that your body is locked up in terror, but the mittens attached to the arms attached to the body of the figure pulling you forward remain silent. Instead, you start to think about how fleeting life is. And then you realize it's not your dad because he doesn't like being out after 7.30 on weeknights. Silly thoughts. How you wish that you would have taken more cooking classes and told that one handsome coworker that you always wanted to ask on a date but never did that you love them. Life was short and you wasted it. And now you were going to be murdered by someone wearing the softest mittens you've ever felt. You hear a door slam behind you, interrupting your life flashing before your eyes. The mittens finally allow you to see again, and you are assaulted by hundreds, if not ten people shouting, Surprise! Happy birthday! You laugh. Of course they wanted to do something special for you this year. It's not every day that you turn 24. You go around the brilliantly decorated room, hugging everyone, including your mother, your uncle, your recently deceased grandma, and Pancho, the dog you had when you were a child. You are thanking them for making this the best birthday ever. You say to the room, This was so unexpected. My birthday isn't for a few months. This is genius. Your family glances at each other. Their faces appear to be melting. And your grandma offers you a piece of cake. You take a bite. You are stumbling along the sidewalk after deciding to walk home instead of driving or getting a cab. You look up and see an owl approaching. Hogwarts? You wonder? If we had rights to the um, Twilight Zone music, it would be playing right now. <laughs> so if you could just please download the Twilight Zone music and play it right now, that would really add to the effect. Ooh. A tiny spider descended off of the ceiling onto Diane's shoulder. He was kind and wearing a small top hat. He passed Diane a tiny handwritten book. It read, Dear Florence and Diane, Help! I'm a freshman in college and I have to use APA citations, question mark? What is that? Why is the formatting so confusing? I need to pass my psychology class, and this is stressing me out. Because I was so stressed out, I went to the local apothecary and bought a bunch of magical ingredients. How can I do APA citations and also use up the bananas amounts of ingredients I've purchased? Forever yours, citations needed. Well, citations needed, this sounds like the nightmare scenario, and as college graduates, we are 100% equipped to handle this question, but just to be safe, we reached out to WikiHow to help us help you. In these modern times that we live in, you are probably going to be citing websites, so we aren't even going to bother with book citations. If you are required to cite them from a book, I suggest you pray to your god, goddess, or the universe to help you, for we cannot. First you need to find out the date and the author if you can. Some websites list the date and the author in a logical spot that makes sense to humans, but if you are not human or the site has a vendetta against common sense, you can combine rosemary, basil, and a garlic clove in a jar of mist, shake it 42 times, then pour the mix on your computer while inhaling deeply. Within 10 hours, you will experience a vision in which you discover the true name of the author, the exact time the article was published, the current phase of the moon, and the next time you will get a paper cut. You will need to pull out the author's last name, publication year, and the date of your next paper cut so you know when you need to pack band-aids. Now you can actually start the citation. 
Write the name of the author, last name first. For multiple authors, separate their names with an ampersand. Is that how you say it? I think so. With an ampersand, which is a cool word for the and symbol that shares a home with the seven key. And the name dropping with a period. Remember when you were told not to write incomplete sentences? That's over now. Just do it. All right, so now it's time for a self-care break. How are you feeling? Do a quick body scan to determine any signs of stress. Brew some lemongrass tea and truck on, my friend. Date that puppy. Not literally date and not literally a puppy. Write the date in year, month, day format. You should have gleaned this information from your search in the first step. If you have not yet completed that process, now would be a good time to do that. Add another period. I know, it seems strange, but this is the right way to do it. Self-care break? Are your signs of stress showing? Maybe take a bubble bath and listen to smooth jazz. If you don't have time for a full bubble bath, you can fill the sink with water and soak your hands. It's really important to take care of yourself through college because it can be very stressful and that's not good for you. All right, what page did you find this information on? Oh no, you closed the tab. Oh no, don't panic. Don't panic. Uncork the bottle of pickled grass clippings, mix it with a ton of butter, and then slather it on your bathroom wall. Close your eyes and place your hands on the wall. Let your hands just move around while singing your favorite pop punk song. When the song is done, you will have the name of the page written for you. Write the page and then, that's right, put a period. What website? Y'all, this one should be easy peasy. Just write the name of the website. For online periodicals, write the name of the publication. This should be in italics, which is when the words go all slanty (laughs) and should end in a period. Self-care break? Meditate for several minutes. Clear your mind of worry. Listen to whale noises. Breathe in the scent of warm rose water and gargle some apple cider. Yum. Okay. Find the retrieval date. Sometimes, like the staircases at Hogwarts, websites change. No one knows how or why, but they do. Because of this, you want to include the date that you access the information. Some tricks to this are to check all the websites before you turn in the paper and then make that your retrieval date. Or, if you want your professor to think you did not wait until the last minute like you definitely did, then you can backdate it a few days. The trick is to make sure to date it after the paper was assigned, but before the paper was due. Not in the future. It can be a hard mark to hit sometimes, but I believe in you. Citing a website with no author. For some websites, the earlier described spell does not work. There is not an author to be found. Then what? No worries. Now isn't the time to say screw it as you hastily submit your paper without proper citations on it. There's still hope. You just need to find the name of the article, website, or webpage that you're using. Gently trim your cat's claws. And I say gently. No need to hurt anyone. They were getting kind of long anyways. Um, Into a small copper bowl. Add in two sprigs of thyme, like the spice, and the ashes of yesterday's newspaper. Put the bowl over a low flame while chanting the lyrics to Low by Flo Rider. Shorty got low, low, low. Once the flame burns out, sprinkle the remaining ashes over your keyboard, and then the name of the article, website, or webpage will become illuminated. 
Then it's exactly the same as before. Instead of the author's name, you simply put the name of the article. Easy peasy. There's no need to hyperventilate over this one. Lastly, you'll need to use in-text citations. You're going to need parentheses and you're going to need commas. I would recommend using one pair of parentheses per citation around the last name of the author and the date. The author's last name and date should be separated by one comma. If you are too willy-nilly about parentheses and comma usage, they will lose all meaning and you will be known as a person who cried punctuation. Once you have all this figured out, you're going to sprinkle these into your paper in places that you use the information from that author. There you have it. Your APA citations are done and beautiful. No one will question where you got your facts and figures any longer. Unless your instructor changes their mind and decides they prefer MLA citations instead, then you're screwed. Florence, can you pull this train into the motivation station? Choo-choo. Chores are lame, and everyone hates them. It's common knowledge. Dusting. Dusting is particularly stupid. Do you know why it's stupid? Because dust gets everywhere, and dusting is so tedious. But it's necessary, especially for people with allergies. I'm thankful I'm not living that nightmare. Anyway, how do you motivate yourself to do menial tasks such as dusting? I have to agree with that statement. Cleaning is an absolute nightmare, but it doesn't have to be. I personally like breaking up my chores, so I'm not spending several hours at a time deep cleaning my abode. To start, um, on Monday at 9 o'clock a.m., I clean one square into the kitchen sink. I do this every hour on the hour until the entire sink is done, which can take up to two days. Then I move on to the next project and clean it in a similar fashion. Well, it might not be worth losing my job over or destroying all the relationships I once held dear, it does help keep me from cleaning all at once, which is a nice perk. So what I do is I have to make my household chores fun. For example, to dust, I hang towels soaked in pine salt around the affected area. Then I take an industrial-powered leaf blower and blow the dust toward the towels. It's incredibly effective and a lot of fun. I break 100% of the things I own, but then I get to go shopping and have more fun. Our challenge for you this week is to try figuring out a good cleaning routine. That way you don't have to worry about um, spending all your time cleaning or dusting in the future. Once you get figured out, it'll go a lot easier. Today, I dropped a bottle of orange juice on the floor. As the glass shattered, the juice spelled out, Hi Florence! Us oranges love listening to your show down here in Florida. Also, you need to get more vitamin C. And maybe iron. You're looking deficient in something. That's a telltale sign that the podcast is coming to an end. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to what we had to say. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Paper News Out Loud for more great episodes. If you like what you heard a lot, leave us a review on iTunes saying what you liked. Please include the name of your childhood imaginary friend. We will be contacting them all in a ritual and bringing them to life. If you're in love with what you heard, tell 5,000 of your closest friends about the show and warn them to never listen to it. They don't want to be cursed to the same existence as you are. We will be giving shout-outs to people who review the show on later episodes. Please rate and subscribe on iTunes. And thank you so much for listening. I want to thank the people who drive the snowplows and salt trucks because they literally keep me alive. It's like a blizzard out there. <laughs> it's, it was rough.
I also want to thank Jake Harrison for allowing us to use his track titled Five off his album Found on SoundCloud. Thanks, Jake. You can find his music through the link or by searching at this. Mickey got the ball rolling, but we are still looking for more community art pieces to showcase in our rotating segment called Community Art. You can submit short poems or visual art to us through email at alternaterealityproductions at gmail.com. We'll mention it on the show and post it on our blog. Or you can email us just to say hi or let us know what you like about the show, if anything. I'm throwing around the idea of creating a Facebook group so we can post things in there, too. It's a little more accessible. Um, So I guess keep an eye out for that. I'll give you more details later. Right now, though, you can tweet us at realityoutloud. Share with your friends. We hope you learned a thing and made a laugh. We're not we're not singing the same song. But it's time to do That's a wrap, boys and girls.